This weekend, we are continuing in our mini-series on what it means to be sent by Jesus out into the world. Now, for the majority of the summer, we spent time talking about Jesus' invitation to follow him. And then last week, I suggested that when we pair that invitation, the invitation to follow Jesus, with the charge or, or the encouragement to be sent out into the world, when we pair those two things together, we really get the crux of what it means to be a disciple. We follow Jesus and we're sent out into the world by him. Now this series, it, it finds its, its roots in John 20, 21, where the resurrected Christ shows up to his first followers and says, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Sent out to our neighborhoods, the places we work, go to school, shop for our groceries. Last week we, we looked at Matthew 10 where Jesus gives the 12 disciples instructions about the where, what, and how of their ministry. They were to start at home with the lost sheep of Israel, with what was familiar to them. They were to continue Jesus' work of, of bringing healing and restoration in that place. And they were to get involved with the work by giving freely of themselves, really creating cultures of generosity and we are invited to do the same thing today. So what Julianne read earlier, it, it should sound somewhat familiar to what we read last week. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 9 tells the story of the 12 being sent out. So in all likelihood, the 72 that we're talking about here are in addition to the 12 disciples. It's a great reminder that we are all called into ministry in some capacity. We are all sent with different skill sets and, and different gifts. We are all sent. Jesus sends them out two by two, which was a common practice for a few different reasons. One, it gave everyone a partner or a friend for the journey. Two, it provided a sense of protection. No one traveled alone. And third, it followed Hebrew law, a Hebrew law which required more than one witness to convict any person. So Jesus uses the, the same harvest language with the 72 that he did with the, the 12. The work was, was plentiful. And again, the ever-comforting language of being like lambs among wolves, a reminder of how painful the journey can be. They're to take very little with them, to travel lightly, to go from house to house, passing the peace of Christ, looking for people who were doing the same sort of work, people in the neighborhoods who were, were trying to bring wholeness and restoration and to partner with them. Then there's the woes, or really the warnings. Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, all towns or villages along the Sea of Galilee, all places where Jesus spent a whole lot of time. These, these warnings, they use language that mimic prophetic texts. And likely the 72 who were sent out, they would have been familiar with that text. If you're rejected, don't worry. They're really rejecting me, Jesus says, and it will be worse for them than it was for the pagan cities of old. So they go. They're sent out. And we're not sure exactly what happens in the day-to-day -day of their journey, but starting in verse 17, we read this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. 
Now at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he returned to his disciples and and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've reached that time of year where all kinds of pictures are popping up on on social media or really being sent between family members and friends about the start of, yes, another new school year. So we see pictures. Jimmy holding up a, a sign. First day of preschool. Sarah, kindergarten, day one. Ben, sixth grade, the big middle schooler. Becca, senior year, we can't believe it. Whether preparing to take a child to the first day of daycare just for a couple hours or driving away from a dorm, leaving them in in, in their first semester of college, parents in this season sit somewhere between excitement and terror, between elation and tears. I will never forget what it was like to drop off our oldest daughter for her first day of elementary school. We walked to the kindergarten playground. She she proudly got in line. She was wearing a backpack that was entirely too big for her small frame. We gave her a hug. Then I went back and got another hug. And then we joined the lineup of parents watching through the chain link fence as, as our kids walked around the corner and out of sight. It might sound a little funny, but I wonder if Jesus had the same sort of butterflies when he sent out the 12, and then later, as we just read, the 72, as I felt that day. Did he wonder what they were going to do? Did he sit there while they were out thinking, are they making friends? Are they able to track? Are they able to pay attention? How many enemies have they made? Or or how many times have they had to wipe the dust off their feet? Were they accepted? I imagine he had a good idea of what they would experience. I mean, after all, this was a sort of ministry that that wasn't new for him, but it was new for them. When they return, and and Luke writes that the 72 are filled with joy, and and that Jesus was too, I can't help but project the giddiness that I felt when we went back to pick up our daughter at the end of that first day of kindergarten. Now, if she said anything remotely close to what the 72 said, about demons submitting to her and all that. If she she got even close to that, I'd probably have been more than just a little concerned. And, and I'm sure my phone would be ringing shortly later with a call from her teacher and principal. But she was excited. She was thrilled. We were excited. We were thrilled. We wanted to hear about all of those adventures from that day. The names of her friends, the games she played on the playground, her favorite part of the day, her least favorite part of the day. Did she learn anything new? We wanted to share in the joy of the new beginning. This new chapter for the 72 or the 70, depending on what translation of Luke you read, it reminds us that being sent out into the world by Jesus is good. 
It's plentiful. There's a lot of work and it can also be painful all at the same time. Now, the main difference between the sending out of the 12 and the 72 is that we get a glimpse of the return of what it looks like when they got back with the 72. We don't get that with the 12. They are elated. And Jesus delights in their work as they return. He says, I saw it too. I saw it, guys. Satan fell. You trampled snakes and scorpions. What authority? But don't let it get to your head. Don't get cocky. Rejoice for the right reasons. It was a reminder to not get too high, to not take too much credit, to stay humble. I've shared about this before, but one of my first seminary professors, she would start every class with a story and then use the same tagline. Remember, all ministry is God's ministry. By the end of the quarter, we would groan every time we heard those words. But here I am, years and years later, repeating them. It was impactful. It's a reminder that we all need the work that we are involved in here in the church, in in our, our own faith development, isn't about building our own fiefdom. It's about proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is available everywhere to everyone. And we get to be a part of letting others know about it. But Jesus doesn't spend too long with that reality check with the 70. The phrase Luke uses in in verse 21, right before he prays, it's totally unique. This is the only place this particular word is used to describe Jesus' emotion. Earlier, I used the word giddy to try to capture what I felt when our daughter returned from her first day of kindergarten. And the word used here isn't too far from that sentiment. It carries the sense of of, uh, being overwhelmed or beside oneself with, with joy. It's actually the same word that Luke uses to describe what Mary feels after she visits Elizabeth. This is the Magnificat. She she shares about her pregnancy and she sings out her soul glorified, her soul magnified the Lord. Her spirit rejoiced. It was giddy with the news. In the same way, now her son can't contain himself, so he prays. He thanks God for the unveiling of the truth to the 72, the truth about God's kingdom, the truth about Jesus, the truth about being a part of bringing wholeness and restoration and peace in the villages, in the towns, sent out to the whole world. It was a truth that that wasn't understood by people who had previously been considered wise, who had been searching for generation. And here in this place, as Eugene Peterson translates, these hidden things They've been hidden from the know-it-alls, but they were shown to the innocent newcomers. Jesus guides them. He challenges them. He sends them out, and he rejoices upon their return. The work is good. It's plentiful, and it can be painful. And then he prays. He thanks God for what God is doing while reminding these newcomers who are likely listening along to the prayer of the unique relationship that he had with his father. It was a momentous occasion, capped off by a private conversation with the disciples. He he turns to them and he essentially says, do you realize what is happening? Do you realize what's happening here? Jesus was ushering in the sort of thing that the prophets and kings of old, many of the heroes of faith, longed to see, longed to bring, hoped to experience, and the disciples got to witness it all. It's a reminder to celebrate when we see God move in our midst to make sure that we take time to not take it for granted. But it's also a bit of a reminder that we we don't always get to see the trees 
or the fruit of the seeds that we've been busy planting. When I read about this shared joy, the story of shared joy, what the 72 express, how Jesus responds, I can't help but see a glimpse of how Sunday mornings could look every week. We come to church or we tune in online. We connect. We sing songs of praise. We we hear God's word proclaimed, and then we are sent out into the world, into the rest of our week. What would it look like for every Sunday, every time we connect, to be a joy-filled reunion, like one of the ones we, we just read about this morning, where we celebrate that we got to be a part of what God had done in the previous week? We are sent, you are sent, I am sent, and we return giddy about the places we saw God move, the conversations we had, the love we shared, the slivers of progress we made in in bringing restoration and healing into Westlake Village, into the Conejo Valley, and beyond. Friends, may we be a joyful community, celebrating what God is doing as we're sent by the one who sent was sent to us. Amen.